0: Today, Ian and I are going to talk about the average order value of your e-commerce store. We're going to be talking about this important metric and working out how we can use your own data to understand exactly how to increase this important metric. Also, in the show notes, there's a link to the 20K Core workshops, a free workshop we run every time we open up the 20K Core program, which is our startup program for businesses usually between zero and about 60K a month. So if you're interested in learning how we scale one of our own sites, we're going to go through that on the workshop and the notes are in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get started. Hey, Ian, how are you doing? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm all right. Yes. It's Monday morning here. We recorded a podcast last week. And it was very interesting, yet it didn't seem to actually record. So, unfortunately, it was only you and me that uh, got to enjoy uh, the genius of the unknown podcast. I mean, we could have said anything. I was, the treasure is in. I was. I know. I was happy to redo it,
1: but you, you basically get lost the will to live. Like, no, it's just like, and it's like no. I just
0: needed a bit of space between then and now to kind of like do it again and, and it was a i think it was like a 38 <laughs> it was it was really it was a really proper long one and i think it's and it, it was yeah. because you you changed your app on your phone or something wasn't it so silly
1: but, i well i che- i mean i missed i checked whatsapp what well, in the middle of the recording and, it, and then it it went well, that was annoying
0: it is but that's it anyway we're going to talk about average order value today and the reason we're going to talk about average order value is because it can have a massive impact on you know the the, the target ROAS you can go for um while well, achieving your target ROAS and being able to outbid everybody else and I, I know you've got you've got quite some strong opinions on average order value um and particularly before mm. we were talking about this I was like saying don't be quite as aggressive on the actual podcast <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah why, why are you so why are you well, so opinionated about it
1: well I wasn't aggressive but I was I was just again trying to cut through some of the bullshit that that we hear about average order value yes and dispel the myth and generally the you know it's quite a, it's quite it's a, people can make it much more complicated than they than they uh, they need to with average order value generally Mm-hmm. um but I, but my, my my overall opinion with average order value is that um you know if you think about it logically if you can increase the average order value by you know 10 20 something like that and we find generally that through what i call you know clever upselling and a little bit of website trickery, you know, the kind of, you know, you're adding little bits here and there to the average order value. You can normally expect between 10 and 20% gains if you do it right. Um, And if you are anything above that, if you want bigger average order value change, you come from the products, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But generally, you know, the reason why it's an absolute no brainer to think about, Increasing your average order value on your e-commerce store because you've done all the hard work You know if you think about the things we talked about the other week, the the, you know the main pillars of Of getting your e-commerce strategy, right, you know, you've demonstrated, you know, you, you know authority You've helped people find the right product. You've reduced anxiety and friction points. You've demonstrated trust and credibility you've you've convinced people to buy from you in the first place and during that journey once you've done all that it makes sense to try to increase the average order value because what why the hell not because you know you can it's like money for nothing you know you're adding stuff on top of what you've already done so it's like it it is an absolute no-brainer to do it um yet it's a topic that people find uh like a kind of a bit of a voodoo really because it's like they don't know where to start and they end up going and adding apps you know apps here apps there apps there you know one click up sales and find all sorts of things and they you know they they kind of throw it's like a they sort of throw like a whole everything at it you know a whole heap of everything at it going oh there you go done my average order value and 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 often it you know if if done, done wrong it can affect conversion rate you know done well it can be a beautiful seamless increase to average order value that doesn't affect conversion rate and just adds, you know, another $20, 30 dollars on top of if you know, if you do it right. Well so it is a no brainer to get right. So that's my overall opinion, is it can it can make a you know a massive difference. And obviously if you get the average order value up and your competitor hasn't got the average order value up, because they haven't got a good upsell, upsell you know strategy, you know, you're competing for a bigger share of, of the wallet. Yeah. You can go more aggressive.
0: Yeah. And so the, 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 what, what it comes down to as well which we didn't mention was the fact that there's the, um, the winner takes all in e-commerce so winner takes all uh, it, it, which is you know but people don't normally think about that but if you think about the orcs let's say it's a google shopping business everybody's driving in google shopping and the the difference between the people who are smaller and the smaller are big. There's probably not that much difference in their kind of conversion rate, average order value over time. There might be like a difference in 10, 15 percent or something like that. But because you've got that small edge, it means you take the full market, you take everything. Like so, you will you know, it, it's it's having that thin advantage over the the next person in the in the auctions that can make a big difference. And that can be the fact that you've got a slightly bigger. Higher average order value, and that means that you can pay a higher cost per click and drive the same amount of profit as someone paying a lower cost per click, and, and of course, it, it, it's it's going to make a massive difference. So,
1: when I'm and I, can I just give yeah? can I just tell you what there's a and this is because last week we talked about there was a, a company selling lawnmowers, yeah, and that we're doing some work with at the moment, and they're selling it's the same price. Everybody's you know the price is fixed. Yeah. yeah. so it's, this is very relevant if you were selling other people's products. It's relevant if you're selling your own products too. But what I mean by that is if it's not your exclusive brand and you're all selling the same model lawnmower, you know, if you can get another fifty dollars out of them or you know, it's forty pounds, whatever, you know, by having a really good little upsell, you know, you're competing for a 550 pound lawnmower and everyone else is competing for a 500 pound lawnmower and that little difference means that you can get more profit out of the same click which means you can be more aggressive so this is what you've just said but it's it, it's particularly relevant for if you are selling other people's brands that are not exclusive to
0: you mm. in, that, in that scenario anyway. Yeah because on Facebook you don't tend to be coming up necessarily against the exact same person selling the exact same product because it's more audience-based. So it's people who are, you know, people of a certain demographic. Like I'm, I'll notice like during election time that my ad cost will go up because I'm competing against people who are buying eyeballs for elections. And you think, well, it's not the same as Google Shopping where we're all going, all those people who are going for that search term are selling the same thing. So it, it's, mm. it depends on um, who you're competing against. But obviously even on Facebook, um, you know, they'll only be able to com- outcompete me by a small amount, maybe like 10%. If I can increase my average order by, by 15%, I, um, I'm still in the game, you know, so it, 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 it but it's different who you're coming up against. But I think the transition that we want to talk about now is the that, you know, you don't want to just go and add, you know, the default apps to your store without understanding why you're doing it in the first place, because then you're obviously going to make the right decision. And the first one we want to talk about is understanding the true average order value. So, you know, interesting, you talked about the lawnmower example there is that on his business, he's got, um, if, you, if you plot out all the the orders in terms of average order value, he'll have a peak at around $65 and then a peak around $2,000 because that's how people are either buying the lawnmower or they're buying the accessories for the lawnmower. However, if he looks at Google AdWords, sorry, Google Analytics and looks at his average order value, it's obviously going to put it somewhere in between the two. So it might say at $700 as the is the average order value. Now, that's not actually the average order value of the majority of customers because no one actually buys that. So if you plot them out on a graph, you can see that you have these two bumps and it's almost like a dumbbell shape. So you've got not much in the middle and you've got something at the the bottom and something at the top. And Difficulty with that is that you might go and say, Well, where do I put my free free delivery threshold? and you go, Oh, my average order value is at $700, I'll put my free delivery threshold at $800. And of course, all the small purchases, people buying the batteries and the replacement parts and stuff like that, they're no way near that. They've got like $60 $60 in the basket, and they go, Well, you know, what do you mean spend another $700 to get free delivery? It's just, it's, it's almost well, it is it's mm-hmm. a disadvantage it's a it's a something that lowers the conversion rate because it's too big and the second thing so if someone's buying a lawnmower they're already in the free delivery threshold because they're over that anyway and they that it's not going to affect them it's not going to motivate them and so by understanding how your average order value is spread out over over your site and seeing where the bumps are you can understand where your incentives are need to be so obviously in his yeah. case he needs to get those sixty-dollar orders up to seventy, and he needs to get the lawnmowers up to you know if it's two thousand dollars, two thousand one hundred. You know that's the incentive that that he wants because he wants to move them slightly to the right. Yeah. Each one,
1: so you'd have so you'd have two two different incentives for each group. Yeah, really, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, and and, and you know, in some businesses, it is more linear you know it's more sort of a gradual curve upwards but it, but it's you don't know it until you do that little little analysis to see yeah oh and i and i i remember well i mean i've, I've i remember lots of examples but one particular company we um we were faffing around with average order value for years i mean they're doing about 20 million now um but you know they've been going for about um over about 10 years or so and you know but in the first years we became very interested in average order we were really quite trying to be very sophisticated and tried everything all over the place and i remember one of the one of the things that we did was the was the incentive to spend a little bit more and all we did in the end was say we came up with something that said spend an extra 20 pounds and get this thing free for 40 pounds and obviously it, it was worth 40 pounds mm. RRP but it what you know it cost the business you know n- you know not much at all good really good margin and you know so no matter what you spent it said oh spend an extra 20 pounds and get this thing free for 40 it was like really simple and prior to that we'd go well if they we spend between 50 and 80 we'll do mm. this incentive just been between you know, a 100 and hundred, we'll do this one, and it was so complicated. Um, and in the end, just doing that, everybody got this twenty quid offer, and it was it was great, and it meant that you could roll that really quickly. You know, it's not it's not for everybody, but I think the first thing is the dumbbell, you know, because what effectively you've got is two very different customers. Um, you know, the ones in that example of the lawnmower you know spending sixty dollars and the other one spending two thousand yeah. dollars and it has a massive effect on on probably two things number one your your cost per recruitment you know how much you're willing to pay for a customer who's spending sixty dollars versus how much you're willing to pay for a customer who's spending two thousand dollars mm. and the other the other one would be your lifetime customer value again. So, who, how much are the customers buying? You know, if they first spend sixty quid on, you know, you know, a bit of a bit of lubricant, mm. you know, for their lawnmower, are they are they are they more loyal customers than the ones that come and spend two thousand pounds? So, you know, you can't if you just bung them all in one big Google shopping campaign and said, okay, my average order value is seven hundred dollars. Uh, therefore, you know, my average margin is this, because the margin might be different on the average value products as well. That margin might be lower on the lawn, but are much higher on the, on the lubricants. If you throw it all in one blended campaign, you go, oh, okay, morale, I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a rest of 12, you know, for everything, you know, you'll be, you'll, I, I guarantee you'll be leaving money on the table in one group and you'll be losing money in the other group.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because it's it's gonna it, it, like I always think that if you've got a significant different buyer behavior, then on your front end you want to kind of be splitting them out because the pixel or Google, it will it will learn based on everything kind of mixed in together and it get confused. Like for example, at the bedding store, our demo store, like lumping in towels with duvets doesn't seem to work. Duvet covers because they're completely different buyer types. And they, it doesn't seem to be able to get a good ROAS if they're all mixing together, split them out and it starts learning and starts working a bit harder with that budget and it starts to make sense. But, you know, even more extreme example, those are the lawnmowers and the, and the, and the spare parts because one, uh, one group of customers is, is taking 30 days to buy and the other group of customers is taking two days to buy. So it doesn't make sense to kind of have the modeling work around, you know, that when it's so, so different. So
1: yeah, I think I think I think average order value is one of the first things to start to break down. Mm. I think, isn't it? There's lots of reasons.
0: Well, one thing you said, one yeah. thing you said was but, interesting before was was and I, was, I haven't got that in the notes, but it was like they're using the high margin value, high margin products as the incentives to to be your stepping stones to get people up to the next level, and that's certainly certainly what Beaverbrooks did when we were working with them, God, years ago, God, it was probably like 10 years ago. Mm. And they would, you know, they would say, if you spend this much money, you're going to get this much free, but it was always from these high margin products and the high margin products. It wasn't watches, for example, where they didn't have a high margin. It was all like the, the jewelry, you know, earrings and things like that, Mm. that were, were gold, gold plated or I don't know whatever they were, but you know know what I mean? Well, I
1: think the, it, it was a sort of, you know, irresistible offer, really, that, you know, the perception was that it was like, oh, my God, you know, really good value. And I think, you know, interestingly, in fact, this was also not on our notes either, but the, I remember, you know, when it came to doing a good offer architecture around the average order value, you know, you often found that if you can tie your offer into the average order value, uh, it makes your average order value go up so what I mean by that is there was a there was a concern that sometimes if we don't if we if we do an offer we're going to reduce the average order value mm. um, so let's say you went into a sale period and one particular company that that was of quite a well-known business decided one year that they wouldn't go into sale thinking that that um, it would it would maintain their average order value yeah you know during the and everyone else went into the sale and they were something like um take dinner dinnerware and and pots and pans and things like that and they and they they decided not to go into sale one year and all the competitors went into sale and their average order value went from about 90 pounds which is what I don't know 100 dollars down to 35 pounds yeah and they were they were shocked because they're like, hang on, this is ridiculous. Like, what the hell? Like, our average unit value should be staying at yeah. you know ninety pounds, hundred dollars, and it didn't. It it halved because um, when the offer was taken, when everyone else went into sale, they only, they bought the smaller items. Yeah,
0: and also the big um, money, the big money went after the the people who got the bundle deals on and things like that, didn't they? So they went and said, "Well, yeah. go buy pots and pans from this other guy because they're giving us so much more value." So they they pretty much only sold. The essential purchases that they could make during that time, and it, it yeah. massively backfired. It's more value stuff.
1: It did. Yeah. It did. I mean, I don't. You know, that, that's slightly off topic because it's it wasn't really with the flow of what we're talking about with average order value, but it was an interesting story. Yeah. I mean, since then they realised that that when they were in sale mode and they were doing good offers, the average order value went up mm. because there was a bigger perceived set reason to spend more. Yeah. Because there's a deal, there's a reason to spend more. Because there was there was a saving, but I think generally the most important thing when you're thinking about approaching average order value, once you've once you've decided, you know, what your true average order value is, like is it a dumbbell shape or is it you know is it quite gradual you know curve? The next thing is to say, well, what naturally happens when people buy more than one item? Um, you know what 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 things are naturally occurring so are there commonalities with certain purchase patterns so for example you know with with men's fashion you often found that they would buy the same item but in different colors mm. so they would buy a, a jumper and it would be a navy blue jumper and a black jumper and it might be a shirt if it was a if it was a shirt you might have Two shirts or three shirts or four shirts, or if it was, um, you know, a gifting company, you might find that they would buy the one gift and they would buy, you know, the well, this is an obvious one the gift wrapping Mm. or the card that went with it, or the flowers, or or a complimentary product that would go with it. They wouldn't buy two of the same things, they wouldn't buy two gifts of the same gift because that would be that would be odd. They'd buy something to enhance the gift experience. So you, you know, so that's I mean that's a, I think generally that was our that's our one of our main points to start thinking about it, and and and, and that's when I started to go, Do you know what the problem is often is people throw these apps at the site thinking that that's solved the average order value, and then they realise that you know you're a gifting company selling you know let's say you know watches, and the and the, and the upsell is a bloody another watch,
0: and it's just stupid. Mm. You know, one of my pet think about what's natural. One of happening. my pet peeves is hmm? is people like um, is people keeping people on the product page once they've added to the basket. In particularly, even you see it for people who sell one product, like a wedding dress or something, or keep them on the product page. You know like, well, why? Why are you doing that? But then there is a yeah. caveat to that in that you know it was like um, the company that was very similar to Gymshark, not quite as big but fairly fairly large, and when people bought the the gym shorts they would often buy a blue pair and a, and a red pair and a, and a black pair together. And obviously keeping them on the product page because they can only add one at a time um, made sense. So you have to look at the data. And you have to look at the flow of how people are buying. But you have to ask yourself, what is the point of keeping them on the product page once they've added that product to, pe- to the, to the to basket? Particularly if you haven't done a good job of moving people around to the next product. You, you want to kind of look at, what are the most commonly bought products? And one technique I use is the iceberg technique in that I look for products that are bought together, commonly bought together, that are actually quite difficult to do on the site. And I go, well, if people are are going out of their way to buy those two products together, or three products together, then if I made it easier, then a lot more people would do that because it's just the tip of the iceberg of the desire for people to kind of buy in, in that way. And the trouble is with the, you know, there's some great AI tools out there that will kind of do your your buying together and stuff like that. But they need data in order to work out what to do in the first place. And so you've got to have that level of common sense at the beginning, because you can get so much further, you can get there so much quicker, because you mm. you, you know if you if you lived in a worked in a physical shop, you're going to put the Um, you know, as you buy, as you buy shoes, you're going to put the, I know, hiking shoes, you're going to put the waterproof coating for the shoes next to the, next to the till, you're going to put the shoelaces next to the shoes and, you know, things that, that would naturally go together. And what becomes more difficult is when you have seasonality into that. So you come into a a particular season, let's say it's Wimbledon season, and everybody starts buying strawberries and cream. And most of the time they don't buy strawberries and creams together because it's just not, not a thing, you know. But in Wimbledon, it suddenly happens. The trouble with the uh, the machine learning stuff and the artificial intelligence stuff is that they only react to that once they've had the data enough to say it. But you can preempt it. You're going to know that people as soon as Wimbledon starts, people are going to eat strawberries and cream. So therefore, you can be into it straight away, mm. and you can kind of preempt it and say, "Well, you know, this is what I need to show on those pages to, to make the average order value." And you can go, you can go look at and last think, year and say, "Well, what was happening last year?" Yeah.
1: And I think I think the AI tools are really useful if you've got thousands of products, but there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast that that, that are selling a product within a niche. Yeah, you know, so maybe it's maybe it's running equipment, or may- maybe it's you know, maybe it's you know, home furnishings. Maybe it's you know, things like that, and they'll know. Oh well, you know, the, if they're buying that that vase, they'll want the they'll want the flowers that go in it. Yeah. You know, or well, if it's the table lamp, you know, they'll, they'll want the, the floor lamp that goes, you know, it, it's much more obvious. And I think generally, I mean, I used to say this all the time, and I think we put this in the book, that there are only two ways to increase the average order value, and it sounds stupidly obvious. But it's either more expensive products or it's more items per order. Yeah. And so you've got really two options. You can either enhance or upsell the product they're looking at. So, you know you can kind of you know is there, is there an accessory that you can add with that product that goes with it or makes it better you know or or a more expensive version of that product um, or you can or you can try to do you know multi buy type mix and match type things or complementary products and, and and I think it also falls into the simplest way to do it is to look at what we call everybody products so things that are spontaneously you know easy add-ons. You know, like like the candle or the you know the you know, an extra you know, an extra pillar case. So things that you just really everybody would go with. Mm. They're they you know they're quite easy to do. Um but I, I think it then comes on to the, the question around well where to do it. You know, what what where's the best place to do your upselling?
0: Yeah. And I think people get quite um, let me tell you the simply simple ways what? I think about it. So First of all, I like to think about I like to think about the product. Each individual product having an upgrade. So, what's the upgrade of each product? So, like if I'm buying um, if I'm buying a, a duvet cover, what's the upgrade? The upgrade is the matching pillowcases. If I'm buying um, you know a burger for McDonald's with some chips, the upgrade is to you know go the supersize me kind of thing. So, having an upgrade for it makes sense unless it's like a Charles Turret kind of offer where you've got the, the bundle and you're buying four shirts for, the, for 120 or something like that, which is your overriding offer. But I like to think about an upgrade on the product. Once I've got the product and they've upgraded it, then you need to think about what else would they buy with this product? What makes sense to go along with this product? So that would be, you know, I'm buying some shoes, so I need some socks, or I need to uh, I'm buying some shorts, so I need to, you need to buy a, a, a t-shirt that goes with it because that, that goes along with the job to be done. And then you've got the, the, post, the post-purchase offer. And the other big thing that I, that I tend to be talking about now is that if you have a very obvious offer, so like the uh, upgrade, so for example, the, the lawnmower company that we talked about before, obviously the, the upgrade is an extra battery like there's an extra battery, maybe a couple of other things. And that's really the only upsell that you can do is making the mistake of only asking for that upsell once. So you might say, oh, well, I'm, I'm upgrading on the product page. So I, you know, that's fine. I've, I've done the upgrade. But you'd want to ask for it three times um, because, Offer, asking for something three times means you're going to get much more than the sum of its parts. It's just a bit like abandoned basket emails. If you only sending one abandoned basket emails, you're probably leaving 40% of the recovered e- uh, revenue on the table. And so you ask on the product page. You make it very obvious that, that you can add that extra battery to the lawnmower on the product page. When you add it to the basket, a pop-up comes in and says, do you want to have these uh, these extra batteries? And then on the basket page, again, underneath, you've got the batteries underneath. Because it it it's very likely. Well, I will tell you what, I
1: exted, I extended that to five times. So so you, Mark, we, we, we had a we had a big piece of work with a with that particular company recently, and you wrote in the report that you said there was you know you should be asking for an upsell three times, and I said it's five times mm. because if you think about it, what you've got you've got you've got the you've got the the upsell you know the extra battery on the on the product page with the tick so next to the add to basket button you've got a checkbox that says do you want the extra battery rec highly recommended mm. you know you've got and then when you hit the add to basket button you've got the pop up that pops up saying yeah, add it to basket by the way here's you know, here's an easy way to add it again so you'd reinforce that offer you then do the same thing on the checkbox on the on the basket page itself and then you would have an upsell between the basket and the checkout in this scenario, so you could either do it, you know, within the checkout. But you know, or, you know, I would normally do it. As, as You know, you could do a sweetie page, and then you've got your post-purchase offer, yeah. upsell too. Yeah. So you've got five places, and if you think about it, you know, the most e- most e-commerce site, the average lifetime customer value, or the amount of times people buy in a twelve-month period on average for an e-commerce business is 1.2 times a year which basically means there's a bunch of people that never buy again and there's a bunch of people that buy two or more times and it averages itself out at 1.2 times a year so you know you've only got one chance to go f- to try to increase the average order value and there is a there is a, a misconception in e-commerce um, that you can't you can't mess. You can't do something within the checkout. You know, if we, if we, if we, there was something that early on in e-commerce there was a, there was an obsession with making the checkout like you know really like a one-stage checkout, like a one-step checkout. Mm. And there was a, there was a thought that that, that you know if, if we if we made the checkout one stage like a two one or two step, it was better than a three or four step checkout, and it was going to revolutionise the conversion rate. And it, it 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 was it it was utter. Bullshit. And the reason it was utter bullshit, in most cases, not all, but in most cases, the average people, the average times people buy is 1.2 times a year. Not coming on all the time. You know, they're, they're coming on once a year if you're lucky. And by the time they get to the checkout, in most cases, and there will be exceptions, but in most cases, it's a very resilient. The higher the average order value as customer. well, the more
0: resilient they are. You know, if they, you know, if they've they decided to buy that lawnmower from you for $2,000, by the time they've got through the checkout, yeah. they are really convinced that they're going to do it most of the time.
1: And then, yeah, and they're not going to be put off if you ask for an upsell. And I'll give you two really, really good examples of this that happen. The first one is is an online. When you've bought, when you've bought an airplane ticket... You know, when you decided what airplane you're gonna, you know, if you're trying to buy a flight, you decided where you're gonna go. You decided what airline you're gonna go. You've chosen your times, and you're about to check out. You're in, and when you're checking out, then think about how many steps you go through. Do you want extra leg room? Do you want vegan meal? Do you want a priority boarding? Do you want a hotel when you get there? Do you want a car a car hire? Do you want shun? Do you want insurance? A holiday like they they're asking about you know 10 upsells because they know by the time you've decided you what flight you're going to buy you're going to co- you're going to commit to the transaction and they've tested it and they said well that you know we, we you know we don't get the checkout drop off we get in the average order so think about that for a second and also think about the next the next thing the next scenario you know, let's say you're in a physical store. Let's think about the alternative, which we always like to do. If you're in a physical shop, and you buy, you're in a fashion shop or something like that, and you've decided that you're going to buy, you know, this this these pair of shoes, and you're 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 at the till, you're about to buy, and uh, you know, and the, you know, there's an offer at the counter that might be like half price, you know, aftershave or you know, perfume or something like you know, it's like there's an offer there. You know, you're not going to go. It's outrageous. They've got. They, they had. I, I decided not to buy these shoes because at the till they had. A, they had an offer on on aftershave. Yeah. And I was so offended that it was there. You know, I, I decided to walk out of that shop straight away. And I'm no, no, I'm not buying these. Shoes. Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't bat an eyelid. It doesn't matter.
0: It, it doesn't you matter. Really You've decided you're going to buy these book, like because you know I sell my. Uh, well, I say our. I sell our book on um, on on Facebook, and it's a book on e-commerce, which is you know part of it is about average order value and upsells. And there's been some comments from people saying, um, "Oh, well, I was going to buy your book, but then I got I got an upsell." for the walkthrough video which is an extra money and I you know, you know how dare you just uh, have an upsell on your book I'm like if you're gonna go into e-commerce without wanting to think about the upsell probably not in the right person to buy the book in the first place and um, yeah you know, self-selecting themselves it's, out of the yeah. out of the market
1: They've yeah well they have. Not eligible, not eligible to read no. our book if you don't want to have a little bit of hustle. But, it, you know, it, if you just, just think logically about it, you know, you've decided to buy and there's absolutely no problem. And that, and I've and worked with a couple of companies, actually, and one, one of them was selling, um, they were selling safes and, you know, security equipment. And they had two upsells in the two physical pages in their checkout at step two and step four. That were separate pages that were saying, hang on, are you sure you don't want to go for the extra insurance? Mm-hmm. If you buy it today, you know, it's going to be 50% off. If you come back, you know, you know, buy it on its own. It's going to be full price. And it's like, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't, I've never seen a conversion rate drop off of anything, any significant states of, uh, you know, in, in checkout by doing an upsell. They're often the reason why a checkout might not perform particularly well, like a checkout to order problem, it doesn't tend to be anything to do with an upsell or an offer or anything like that. It tends to be that they might be seeing delivery for the first time, you know, or the delivery charge, or you're taking them to the checkout too soon, mm. you know, or you just haven't warmed them up, you haven't, con- you haven't gone through last minute anxieties, you haven't given them the trust and credibility, you know, you, have, you haven't doubted there's the offer architecture. Is it, so once you get that right, it's kind of money for nothing.
0: Yeah. And in some sales, you know. it's like the Robert Chialdini kind of like pre-persuasion or the persuasion stuff is that you want people to believe that the majority of people, when they buy this product, tend to also buy this one. Like, this is what's done. Because if they feel, starting to feel like, oh, well, this is recommended, I've seen this three times, They've, they're asking for it five times. Most people must be buying this because this is this is the way it's set out on the store like for example you know flip side of that is like the like the charles Turret four shirts for 120 it feels like everybody buys four shirts from them it just feels that that's what everybody does so you go there and you buy four shirts whereas probably mm. that offer wasn't there the majority of people would probably buy two shirts because most people want to buy two shirts they don't want to buy four shirts yeah they might even buy one shirt
1: and that's, and Actually reminds me of another another example as well, that the business we were working with recently again, I think it was the Lawnmower one, but they had seven different add-ons, didn't they, on the Lawnmower? Mm. They had seven different tick boxes on the you know, and it's like, hang on. It was just like they'd been thrown randomly. But we said well, let's take seven away and only offer one or two and put highly recommended mm. in a little tiny box next to the upsell. Yeah. And that—that that, let's see if that—you know—I mean, i my opinion, is it would dramatically increase the amount of people that go for that upsell by saying this highly recommended because they want the full experience. They're going to spend two thousand pounds on the lawnmower. Yeah, I'll spend another twenty dollars on the special thing because yeah. it's highly recommended. I don't want to—I don't want to—you know—miss out on that one. And I think the other point you said as well around—you um, said that if you know, particularly if your average order value is higher. They're going to be more resilient in the checkout. And it just reminded me of the the other theme around if you want to increase the average order value, you know, you've got to think harder about, is this a desirability play or a convincibility play? And what I mean by that is if you're going to increase the average order value, it's going to be a bigger ask, isn't it? You know, if you're asking somebody to pay $50 versus Three hundred dollars. Obviously, it's more money, so they're going to think about it a little bit more in most cases. So you've got to think about raising the ability or the desirability alongside your average order value. You know, so if you you know, if you're if you're trundling along at eighty average order value now, and all of a sudden you want to double it to hundred and sixty by increasing probably more expensive products, you might have to work harder and go deeper into the anxieties and the convincibility and the desirability and the trust and credibility than you have done now because, you know, there's more at stake, isn't there? There's more There's more questions, there's more trust. You have to go a bit further.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's what you were saying before yeah. with the call, like that, that, that the, the, the note number four we wrote down was like the, the true gains of average order value with all the tricks and trips probably will only increase your average order value by 10 to, 10 to 20%. But serious ca- gains are yeah. going to come from different product mix- mixes. Because let, let's say you've got your um, you know your target as and what you want to hit. And let's say you need to hit a six and you're hitting a three. Um, and increase your average order value. You, you're not going to get all of the way there just by selling the same products. Because you might have, you know, if you can increase the conversion rate by 10%, your average order value by 10%, maybe a lifetime customer value by 10%, you, you, you're not still not going to be there. And so it's a fundamental shift sometimes that you need to kind of say, well, I actually need to start selling yeah. something else. Like, you know, the, the famous homeware company we talk about a lot, where they were, you know, the average order value was 30 pounds and they added the, the I think it was the more, more furniture and more stools and chandeliers and things like that. That kind of just completely changed how they could recruit um,
1: doubled doubled the average order value. And the cool thing about that story was that it was the same customers. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was the same o- audience that they they were already buying, same demographic, and they just got those same customers to spend three times the amount. Now to do that with smaller individual products, to to be adding three times the amount of stuff to their basket was a much bigger ask than actually just increasing the prices. Yeah. They, you know, they replaced. I think actually, interestingly, I think the items per order reduced slightly, as well. Yeah. But it made it was so much more efficient for picking and packing and customer service and stock holding. You know, because I think that thirty-five pounds average order value was. I think it was like two or three products. Yeah. You know, whereas when when the average order went up, it was it was it was one one and maybe two products so it was a fit much more see, interestingly, than the interesting interesting that's
0: kind of most e-commerce sites will have the average order value, value will will increase as the quantity goes up so you'll see that that you know the six items is how they get the average order value up then other e-commerce sites will be like loads of small items like the and then the big one will be the big one will be one one item so it's really interesting to actually break that down to understand like how, that's the first fundamental question with the average order value is how people buy, how they want to buy from the store, how it looks at a low average order value. Have you got steps between the average order values where there's bumps of, of groups of, of average order values and whether or not when people, when, when people have a higher average order value, they're adding more to the car or less. Cause it's, as you, as I say, this, you'll start to be thinking, well, obviously it's going to be different how you would upsell on that site. Whereas a a different site, because it it doesn't make sense. And Ian and I always say, you know, there's not one size fits all for e-commerce and particularly for average order value is where it it differs the most. You know, like Mm. a lot of e-commerce sites look fairly similar, category pages, um, home pages, product pages, checkout, basket and checkout, you know. But the upsell structure is where the e-commerce sites differ the most. And they would differ the most because of the way we buy those products. And just adding the most popular Shopify upsell apps isn't necessarily going to get you where you want to be because of they're yeah. the most popular ones. It's it is definitely not a
1: tick box exercise. Yeah, you know you've got to really think about the customer behaviour and and going and and basically get more of more of what they're naturally doing. Yeah,
0: much yeah, it's much more. I say complex, but it's not more. It's much more obvious. Yeah, it's just like Trump, someone trying to come and do a, a multi buy. You know, like you you see, you see Charles Tirrett doing his, his four shirts for one hundred and twenty, and you go and do your trying to add it to the lawnmower one, and kind of go buy well, five lawnmowers for the price of four. It's just not going to work. Well, exactly. Go back. Go back to the example I said about the
1: airline industry. When you're buying a plane ticket online, you know, it you, you know, do, do you think people would go for an upsell Early, do you know? Do you think they're bothered about the extra leg room and the and the car hire before they decided what bloody plane to, but plane to book? Yeah. No, no. So you've got to think. You know, naturally, you've got to think about it. You know, there's no way. I don't care about the bloody extra leg room. Find my bloody plane ticket first. So, you know, it's a kind of like it's a it's an obvious example, but it's it is a, it is you've got to think about generally what's happening. You know, what can I just say? Probably to summarise. Yeah. to finish off perhaps but you can add other things if you want but you actually asked me a question before we, earlier tonight we were chatting as we do because we love e-commerce you know we we do this for fun we do talk about it generally all the time and you asked me a question you said you know we were looking at some a statistical tool um, that we've been spending a lot of time in um, which can talk about sweet analytics and you said you said well you know, we were talking about lifetime customer value, and you said, "Well, what happens?" You know, with, you know, at the moment, loads of people have recruited, lots of customers during COVID, and 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 the lifetime customer value is not what it once was. Like you might find that you know your life they were buying, people were on average buying twice a year last year, and this time they're only buying one point two. You know, what do you do with that? You know, where do you go from that? And and I said, "Well, well, then obviously, you know, you know this." You was just a rhetorical question, but I was saying, well, obviously, if you if you think you've done all you can with lifetime customer value, and you're not going to be able to get any more out of that tank, then you've got to look at the other metrics, which is conversion rate, which is margin, which is, but most importantly, in this this subject, is average order value. You know, so you think, well, if I can't get what I need out of lifetime customer value. I've got, in order to grow and scale and be more aggressive with my ROAS and lower my ROAS, I've got to look at average order value. You start to see, you know, what change, because I have seen dramatic game-changing changes with average order value, and to tell you the truth, I've I've seen more game-changing Scenarios with average order value and lifetime customer value than I ever have with conversion rates.
0: Yeah, and also and, like the, the interesting one, I um, won't mention which store it was, but there was a store that was coming up to. They, they were basically starting to sell a lot because they needed to do a lot of um, sales because they needed to, they were needed to pay for the, um, the stock. They had got some containers coming in, and they had these big bills coming in. It was like a million dollars and all that kind of stuff. And they were like, we're looking at the numbers and it's like, well, that's not going to work. You're not going to get there. So we just put the, was that one of ours? Yeah, it was one of ours. Sounds <laughs> like something yeah. would happen to us. It was one of ours. Yeah. And we were like, we just put the price up by 20% because we're like, well, if we put the price up by 20%, then the figures start making sense. We can afford the, uh, we can afford the uh, the billion dollar containers coming in and we can pay them on time and, and stuff. And what the interesting thing was, we lost no conversion rate at all by putting our prices price up. And so yeah. sometimes it can be as simple as realizing that you're not selling on price. In this case, we weren't as much and we could get an extra 20% and you know, it, it yeah.
1: And you know what we, we proved that even further because, because three weeks later we mistakenly uploaded, I think a third of product at cost price, yeah, by mistake, and it went live. It didn't
0: didn't, and
1: we didn't realise, and it didn't make any difference. In fact, it lowered conversion uh, slightly on for those products. So It didn't make any difference. So then you realise that you're not using, you're not selling on price, and also people use price as a as, a, as an indicator yeah. of value. And it goes against well.
0: that one on one of economics, which is price demand curve. But that's only an efficient market where they can understand yeah. products. And it, 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 it you, you, yeah. you, can be anywhere within that. Um, and sometimes price goes, price, high price equals good, you know. Well, particularly for
1: particularly if it's your own brand and exclusive mm. products, you know, if you're selling other people's products and the price is obviously determined by the market, then it, you know, of course, it's it mm. is it is price and demand. But if it's your own brand, you know, let's say you created two tennis rackets, you know, your own brand of tennis rackets, and you you you. You covered them in a grey bag, two grey bags. And you hold these two mm. tennis rackets, and all you can see is a price tag on it. One says, "One says a hundred dollars." One says three hundred dollars. And I say, "Which is the better tennis racket?"
0: Mm. Someone asked you me the question the you want other day. 300? He was selling, he was selling shampoos, and it was, he got a big following already. Decent business, and he said, "You know." Um, we're going to, we've been doing a big launch for the shampoo and, and building up to it and it's gonna be you know it's gonna be really good. People really want it. And he says I can either go a slight I you know either go a decent high price or I can go a really low price. And he said, Oh the, the Facebook guy, advert guy wants me to go and do a really low price because he says we'll get lots of conversion on it. And I says I said, No, go the high price because you've built demand for it. People want it, they're gonna buy it regardless, because that you've you've built all this pent-up demand. Go high because you'll go and get a you know the margin on it will be you know if let's say you go at I don't know eight dollars or whatever it was compared to four dollars the margin actually is way way bigger maybe three times as much on the higher price because it's not not necessarily linear and and you're going to make so much more money on the front end which will mm-hmm. then f- fuel your next next products and all that kind of stuff it-
1: it's fund it's fundamentally average order value is part of the big mass play. Yeah. You know, and you you can either run an e commerce business and have the have the mass on your side and so you're being pushed along by the by the wind and you're just gently you know you know, being pushed along, or you or you can have the mass against you and you can be going into the headwind and it's really hard mm. to push and and the businesses that are harder to scale are the ones that have a lower average order value and a low lifetime customer value. Yeah, you know they're the uh, difficult ones, and the ones that are easier, of course, are the ones that have a higher average order value,
0: and a higher lifetime customer, value. and a good margin and a good margin. Is those three things and a good margin. You know, because like course. some people come to us and go, oh, "Yeah, my margin's ten percent," and you go, <laughs> "And you go, well, do you want to Like even if you have a lifetime customer value that's really high, you're still only getting ten percent. So hard to make money out of that." You know? Yeah, and specifically, if you come against someone who's got that low margin on the front end product, and they've got a back end product, they've got ninety percent margin on it or something like that, then you're like, you know, let's say someone's selling the lawnmowers and they're getting ten percent margin, on it, but someone's got like a maintenance business on the back of it, and they maintain them and it, it like drives them loads and loads of money, and you haven't got the maintenance business, it's going to be very difficult to compete with that because their maintenance business is going to have yeah. a massive margin on it. Well, I, and you know what, that that is why. You know,
1: e-commerce is so much. It's it can add so much. Well, it's it's a lot more complicated in a way than people think. But I think it, you've got to look at the overall picture. So, in fact, we were chatting about crow conversion rate optimization, and there's a lot of businesses that go and specialise in conversion rate optimization, and obviously, the fantastic, brilliant, great. You know, go for it. But you can't be an effective. You can't grow e-commerce and you can't be an effective strategist if you just think the answer is going to come from conversion rate optimization you know because you know what's going to have a bigger impact on your business if you can double average order value you know what's going to have a bigger impact of that or changing the color of your you know your ads basket button Mm. you know or like there, there might be fundamental weaknesses in your mathematics that you've got to address before you would then get any meaningful benefit out of conversion and optimization. You know, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying, you know, if you are in that scenario where your average order value is low, then we would consider anything under $40 low. Mm. You know, you're going to find you'll have a much bigger impact on your business if you can start to get your average order value. Unless, unless your margins are brilliant. If you know, your margins are like, I think 7% you're, it plus, just to sum it up, you're like two values, guys were stuck
0: but... on trend. What you're trying to say is you can't polish a turd. <laughs> you can polish. Yeah, that's diamond. it. You know, you, it, you got it's, it. It's, it's if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. You can't rescue us. It's, it's like, it's like trying it's... to rescue something with a better Google AdWords agency and keep on going to different Google AdWords agencies, but realize, that your numbers don't make sense. It's just... Which yeah, we
1: see a yeah. lot. Is a turd an internationally recognized I don't word? know what
0: they say in America. Do they say can't polish a poo? God knows, yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe we just introduced a maybe. new word to the world. Because people li- listen to this in Singapore, Canada, New Zealand, and God, they're just learning so much about slime. Um, I would say that's the, probably the yeah. biggest takeaway. The yeah. podcast. Can't series. Polish a Turd my oh, god spreading 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 our message <laughs> write it down <laughs> <laughs> be our next book Can't Polish a Turd in e-commerce what the, the seven unexpected of... things Yeah. you can't polish a turd with <laughs> sorry I think we're like we just we're stop, probably should have stop, stopped stop it, it. Paul, we should have stopped 10 should have stopped yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway yeah. thank you very much Ian AOP. I'll speak to you soon cheers okay Bye. cheerio